Thank you, Jim and Bonnie, for that ministry in music. At this time, I'd invite you to turn open your Bibles to the Scripture passage that is listed in your bulletin. That's Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there are a few Bibles underneath you in the pew racks. That passage is found on page 1,205 in those pew Bibles. Again, that's Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8 that I'll be reading this morning. Starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. This is the inerrant word of God. We are in a passage of scripture this morning that builds on the exhortation that we heard uh, a few weeks ago that is that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto the Lord, which is our spiritual act of service or worship, or as the King James says, our reasonable service. Well, that sounds wonderful, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, but the question is, but what does that really look like? How do we do that? Uh, what does that mean for us come Monday morning? Those are pretty highfalutin words. Present your body as a living sacrifice. But uh, are we able to do that? So this morning we want to look at the practical application that's given to us in this particular portion of the Word of God that instructs us as to what that living sacrifice entails. Furthermore, we were told in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that uh, we are to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we might approve what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. So we focused on that aspect that the transformed mind has a new perception, a new view of the will of God. Rather than run from the will of God, we embrace it. Rather than see it as being restrictive, we see it as seeing, as freeing. And so we view it as good, appropriate, right, 
moral, acceptable, that which is well-pleasing and delights the Father. And perfect, meaning that which completes, that which fulfills both us as individuals so that we are complete and fulfilled, satisfied in our life and our service, and also that it complete and fulfills the will of God so that it is attained here on, on earth. So this morning in our text, we move to a thought that says this. One way that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice and to fulfill God's will for our lives is to use our spiritual gifts in serving the Lord. If we want to understand what God's will is for our life, which oftentimes is the theme of so many youth uh, presentations, understanding what God's will is for your life, how do we ascertain what God's will is for our life? It certainly has to deal with this presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. To present our bodies as a living sacrifice and to fulfill the will of God, we are to use our spiritual gifts. That's what we find out from this passage. The passage that is set before us is addressed to every single believer. Notice verse 3. For by the grace of God given to me, and now these words, I say to everyone among you. Everyone among you. So what we have to say today applies to each and every one of us who are gathered here this morning who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This is for us. What are we to ascertain? Well, first, how are believers to think about themselves? How are believers to think about themselves? Answer, all believers are to see their proper value before God, to understand our proper value before God. There is given to us a negative statement and then a positive statement. Negatively, how we are not to think about ourselves is that we are not to think about ourselves as being more highly than we ought to think. Verse 3. For by the grace of God to me, I say to everyone among you, now this, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. We are not to overestimate our worth, our value, and our abilities. As we think in this particular portion of Scripture, the main emphasis is on our abilities or talents or gifts. We are not to view ourselves as able to do anything. You know, the world wants to tell us that we can do anything that we place our mind to. That uh, it's in your power to reach whatever goal you have in life. All you have to do is work hard, maintain a, a positive thought, and you can do anything. Hate to burst your bubble this morning, but you can't. But you can't, okay? Uh, there are very few of us this morning, no matter how hard we would work, no matter how hard we would try, no matter how hard we would purpose, that we could run 100 in 10 seconds 
or less. It just isn't going to happen. There are a lot of things that we are incapable of doing. And we're not to think of ourselves as being the possessor of every single gift that, as I say, we can do anything. And then secondly, we're not to overestimate our value or worth to God as viewing ourselves as indispensable. There is no one that is truly indispensable in doing the work of God. We all can be replaced and at some point will be replaced. There will be someone who takes over our role. There will be someone who takes over our responsibilities. There will be someone that will move in to whatever area of expertise we have and the work will continue to go on. Now that is not to say that we aren't valuable or that we aren't of worth and even that we aren't indispensable as long as God chooses to make us indispensable. We can be key to what God wants to be done as long as he chooses to make us key. When he wants to replace us, he certainly can. So negatively, we're not to get puffed up, not to be arrogant, not to be proud, but rather to recognize our limitations. Positively, we're to think about ourselves realistically. Notice the phrase in verse 3. I'm looking at the phrase, but to think with sober judgment. Sober judgment means rational, rationally, sensibly, objectively, that we make a determination that corresponds to reality. The way that we think ourselves is real. So what is the proper way to think about ourselves? Well, first, we're to think that our gifts and our abilities are given by God. Notice verse 3. For thy grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each to the measure of faith that God, and that's what I'm focusing on at this moment, God has assigned. We are to remember that whatever gifts and abilities that we have, they come from God. They are not self-produced, but rather they are given to us by God. Uh, those abilities, those, those talents that will keep us from pride and arrogance and an unhealthy, uh, inappropriate self-confidence. Uh, we are dependent upon God. It will also keep us from a fake humility. Uh, that pride in reverse that says, oh, I can't do anything. Oh, I, I have no abilities. I, I can't serve the Lord. I'm just this humble, meek individual that, oh, I wish I could be used of God, but I really have nothing to offer. That's a bunch of garbage. 
That's just another sense of pride, of wanting somebody to say, oh, yes, you can. You can do a lot of things. You're really valuable. You're worthy, really of worth. Well, this morning, if by any chance there is any measure of truth in your mind to that statement, I would just like to say to you that God has given you gifts and God has given you abilities. That's what this passage says. That everyone can be used of God and needs to be used of God. For God has assigned this measure of faith. Secondly, we're to think that our gifts and abilities carry with them a responsibility. For notice in verse 3, that last statement, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Assigned. That is a wonderful translation of the word. Assigned. When, when you think of an assignment, assignment is a task that is to be completed. We often think of school situation, and our teacher gives us an assignment. That is a task that's to be done, oftentimes homework, that uh, these pages need to be read, these math uh, questions need to be solved, uh, this homework needs to be completed. A particular portion of the work for which we are uniquely responsible. Therefore, we find in this passage that our spiritual gifts carry with them a responsibility. That the gifts here are referred to as being assigned. They are, in fact, a task that is to be carried out. That we are given this this gift not just to relish in, not just to take pride in, but they are to be exercised to achieve the will of God. And then thirdly, we're to see that our gifts and abilities are given in varying degrees. That comes from the phrase in verse 3, measure of faith. In this text, we're going to find out that our gifts vary from one person to another. We don't all have the same gift. That's going to come up in the next couple of verses. This idea is that even within the same gift, not everyone has the same capabilities and potentials. So take the gift of teaching, for example. While there may be a number of people that have the gift of teaching, it doesn't mean that each one can teach with the same level of skill or ability. There are going to be some teachers that are more gifted, if you will, than other teachers. There are going to be some that have the ability to sing that are going to sing better than other people sing. There is going to be differences in our capabilities and potentials. Why is all of this important to understand? Well, as we think about exercising and using our gifts, as we think about what it is that we're going to do in service to the Lord, it's helpful not only to understand what our gift is, but also to have a sense 
of the degree of that giftedness to understand how it's going to be used. Uh, we may be called upon to teach uh, very large groups. We may be called upon to teach smaller groups. We may be called upon to teach formally. We may be called to teach upon informally, uh, in the home, and instructing your children, or publicly uh, instructing. So we are to understand that these gifts vary in degrees and uh, abilities. So application. Therefore, we need to ask ourselves two important questions. First, what is my gift? What is my gift or gifts? What is my gift or gifts? Uh, what has God uniquely enabled me to do? And then secondly, what is my capacity and potential within that area of giftedness? Uh, what are the ways in which that can be used. Secondly, our spiritual gifts are not to be viewed in isolation. Our spiritual gifts are to be viewed in connection with others. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4, it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. We don't all have the same function. Uh, the uh, analogy is of a body. And the body has many different parts, many different organs, different limbs. We have eyes, we have ears, we have hands, we have feet. 1 Corinthians 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We're all made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. We are to realize that we are a part of something larger than ourselves. We're part of a body. We're part of a group. We're part of a community of believers. We're part of a church. As part of a body, we all serve different functions and roles. And it is divinely intended by God that each of us fulfill our particular function, role, gift in the community of believers. Not all believers have the same gift and are to serve in the same way. Look at verse 4. For as in one body you have many members, and the members do not have the same function, so we're to see ourselves as part of a body working together with others to accomplish the work of God. So there are some practical applications and ramifications. First, therefore, I should not be expecting everyone to be doing the same thing that I'm doing. Uh, I, I find that is extremely typical that as soon as someone gets excited about doing something in the life of the church, they wonder why everybody else isn't excited about it. Why am I the only one who sees the need? Why am I the only one that's doing this? Where is everybody else? Why isn't everybody on board? Why isn't everybody enthusiastic? Why don't we have 300 people out here doing this? Because we're not all gifted the same way. Because we don't have the same purpose. 
Because God hasn't called us all to do the same thing. God has called us to do what he has called us to do. If we're an eye, we're to see. If we're an ear, we're to hear. If we're in a hand, we're to pick up. We're to function within the giftedness that God gives, recognizing that God has not gifted us all in the same way. Secondly, it means we're to recognize that we're part of a body. Just as we can get up and say, where's everybody else when I'm doing this? Somebody else is doing something over here saying, where's everybody else while I'm doing this? I'm mowing the lawn. I'm doing the dishes. I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm singing in the praise band. Why isn't everybody else doing what I'm doing? Because God has not called us all to do the same thing. And we need to rejoice, not only in what God has called us to do, but what God has called other people to do. And to recognize that together we accomplish the will of God. Together we are able to fulfill what God's purpose is for our church. We are all needed and we are all of value. Those functions are intended to work together to achieve a greater purpose. So the eye and the ear need to work together in order for the body to function well. It needs to guide the hand if it's going to pick up that book. Together, as we function together, we achieve the will of God. It teaches us that not all believers have the same gift and to serve in the same way. God's work is accomplished as we all do our own part. The third thing that we learn from this passage, these things are so simple, I mean, it's low-hanging fruit this morning. It's not deep. And that is that our gifts are to be used. Our gifts are given for a reason, that is that they're to be used. Verse verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. That's the way that you present your body as a living sacrifice. That's how you delight in the will of God. That's how you say that will is good, that will is acceptable, that will is perfect. By simply accepting the gifts that God has given to us and saying, I'm going to use them to his glory. That's all to it. Okay, it, 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 it's not deep. It's simple. God's will for my life is to use the gifts that he has given me to further his kingdom. Simple as that. Notice the way that the gifts are to be used. We're to, serve in the Lord, we're to serve the Lord in the area of our giftedness. Verse 6. Let us use them, if prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in serving. The one who teaches, teaching. The one who exhorts, in exhortation. 
Again, how simple can it be? If you're given the gift of teaching, what should you do? You ought to teach. If you're given the gift of exhortation, what do you ought to do? You ought to exhort. If you're given the gift of serving, what do you ought to do? You ought to serve. Now, that is not to say that we can never minister in other ways. The Bible teaches us that there are responsibilities that, that all of us need to fulfill, whether or not we are, quote, gifted or not. For example, evangelism. We all need to be sharing our faith, whether we have the gift of evangelism or not. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, do the work of, of an evangelist. Uh, so we should all be sharing our faith, recognizing that some people have a real gift and others do not. But that doesn't negate our responsibility. Giving is another of which this passage speaks of. If you have a gift of giving, do so with generosity. Well, you may have the gift of giving, you may have not. But whether you have the gift of giving or not, we all need to be people who give. All right? So we're not talking about absolutes here, but, but we're talking in terms of, of generalities. And that is that we need to focus our ministries on the gifts that God has given to us. <clears throat> we may very well be given more than one gift, which for many responsibilities require more than one gift to accomplish that function. Uh, so what I'm saying to you is uh, we may not just have one gift, we may have more than one gift. And uh, that's necessary in order to fulfill the particular function or role that, that God has for us. So let me use myself as an example. I think I have two primary gifts. The one I put together of preaching and teaching. I think that is my greatest source of giftedness. I think my second area of giftedness is administration. Not so much the day-to-day, -day, but the big vision. Uh, seeing uh, where to go and how to get there. I'm, I'm pretty good at looking at what has to be done. You know, we're at point A, we need to get to point H. Uh, I'm pretty good at figuring out what B, C, D, and E are to get there, okay? That's where my giftedness is. And over the years, I've served on many boards and committees, uh, both in the denomination, chaired uh, uh, biblical seminaries uh, board, and most of those committees, I served on the long-range planning committee of those committees. I understand that. But my primary giftedness is in preaching and teaching. And over the years, I have tried to center more and more on the preaching and teaching and less and less on the administration. Because that's my secondary gift. My primary gift is preaching and teaching. And all the other stuff I've tried to avoid like the plague because I want to center in on what I believe God has given me to do. And this passage teaches us that we really need to center in on what God wants us to do. What does he want us to do? He wants us to exercise our gift. That defines, then, what I say yes to and what I say no to. And there's always the temptation of the urgency. 
You know, and you look around and you see that there are so many things to be done that people aren't doing and you feel like you've got to jump in there and help out in order to get it done. And believe it or not, I'm saying to you this morning, don't jump. <laughs> don't run to do that because God has called somebody else to do it. God has gifted somebody else to do it. If that's not your area, then wait for that person whose area it is to come to the bat, to step up to the plate, to fulfill their responsibility and duty. Don't think that you have to do it all. Worse, don't think you can do it all. But think that you can do what God has gifted and enabled you to do. So give your time to honing, developing, and using your gift. One thing that I would encourage you not to do is spend a lot of time on the areas of your weaknesses. I'm not talking about sin here. I'm talking about abilities. I'm talking about talents. Okay? Uh, don't spend a lot of time on trying to develop a talent that you're not very good at. Spend your time on developing that which you are good at. <laughs> Be excellent at what you're good at. Try to excel at what you are good at, what God has given you the ability to do. So this passage teaches us that we are to give ourselves to the area of our giftedness. And then next, we are to serve the Lord in the area of our giftedness with joyful enthusiasm. Look at verse 8. The one exhorts in his exhortation. Now this, the one who, com who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This speaks of a willing service, and it speaks of a wholehearted, unreserved service. It speaks of a, a joyful service. One of the great blessings of ministering in the areas of your giftedness is, number one, you enjoy it. You delight in it. You are thankful for it. Again, just a personal illustration. I can't tell you how thankful I am for the opportunity to preach and teach God's word. I'm thankful for the opportunity to study it. And I study God's word all day long. And I love to do it. And I know that not everybody does. Because that isn't what God has gifted them to do. Nor do I expect everybody else to do that because then they wouldn't be able to have the time to do what God has called them to do. Don't feel guilty about what you don't do. Rejoice in what you do do. Be thankful for the opportunities to serve in the areas in which God has gifted you. Delight in it. Take joy in it. So this morning, you want to be fulfilled, you want to be satisfied, you want to be complete, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to do God's will. What does that look like? Simply saying, God, I 
will take my gifts and abilities that you have given me and I will use them to further your kingdom. I'll get on board. I'll be part of the program. I will serve alongside my brother and sister in Christ that together we are doing what God would have us to do. So, this morning, wanting to remain as practical as I can, I've asked our brother, Pastor Dave, to come forward. uh, For uh, he is going to have some materials uh, to help you uh, work through these questions of uh, what is my gift and how can I use them in the life of the church. Brother Dave. So that was a perfect segue into this portion, asking those two questions. Do you know where it is you're gifted, and are you serving in areas in which you are gifted? If I were to ask you that individually this morning, would you be able to answer that for those two questions for me? We've got two brochures in the back that are on the Narthex table that are designed to help you with both of those questions. And these are part of a series of brochures you'll see throughout to kind of help people in general get more connected to our church, starting with the Connect cards all the way up to these things, although you don't have to be a brand new person in our church to be able to benefit from this. On this hand right here, they're both purple in color. This one's called a Spiritual Gifts and Ability Survey. You know, how do you discover what gifts do you have? Well, you could ask others around you and say, what, what gifts do you see in me? Or you could think about some of these kinds of questions yourself. This is designed to help you think through that very issue. It asks 112 different questions that are related to the different spiritual gifts that we see listed in the Bible. And you rate those different statements from five to one, five being you know, most true of you and one not so much. And as you rank these different things, you can see certain things come to the top and through this kind of survey, you can see which areas God might be gifting you in. Now that's not the whole end of the story because sometimes we can throw off our own answers. Maybe if we don't think highly enough of ourselves and we think, oh, I don't, I don't have any gifting at all. Or maybe sometimes we think too much of ourselves and we think we're really great at something that maybe we aren't. That's where taking maybe your spouse or somebody who's a close friend of you alongside of you as you do this is a really helpful thing. You can answer this and then show it to somebody else and say, do you think this is right of me? Do you think I'm scoring correctly or do you see different gifts in me? So I'd encourage all of you to to look at the uh, desk before you leave to take a copy of these. We have extras this morning and go through this. This has recently just been redone. uh, So hopefully it'll be very helpful to you. And in the back, there is a spiritual gifts key which lists all of the different gifts and what they mean so you understand what your results mean for you. And then after you've done that, I would encourage you also to take this one that says serve. And we've tried as a church as hard as we can to list all of the different positions and teams and committees and things that exist here in the church to help you apply some of the results that you get here. So you say, okay, I've discovered what some of my spiritual gifts are, and in addition to that, there's some kind of personality questions that are listed in the back as well. Now you can take that and say, if God has gifted me in this way, how can I use that to serve in the body of Christ? And uh, I'd love if you'd also take one of these and look through it and say, you know what, in light of these gifts that I've been given, am I using them in a specific way to help serve the body? And this can give you some ideas. You can check off some options, some different places in which you might be able to serve, and turn it back into me or slide it under my door, that would be great. We can't always guarantee that if you check like, you know, seven different things that those are always open, but we can always try. And it's always better for us to know, 
especially if you've never filled out something like this before. So I'd encourage you to take both of these resources today and fill them out and see how God has gifted you and find out ways that you can serve in the life of our church. Okay, thank you. Yep. Stay up here because we're almost done. And uh, uh, one, one last way, uh, just so we're on the same wavelength, when I say serve in the area of your giftedness, but it might take you a little while to figure out what that is. So do a lot of different things. And find out what you enjoy and what you're good at and what you didn't particularly enjoy and what you're not particularly good at and continue in what you're good at and stop doing what you enjoy and what you're not good at. And by that, by experience, uh, you will better understand uh, areas of, of your service and uh, what you uh, can do. Uh, this is a, a lifelong endeavor, always asking ourselves, what does God want us to do? Uh, we constantly are having to say yes or no uh, to a multitude of good things that we can involve ourselves in. So uh, we want to do the will of God. All right. So we trust to take these lessons to heart and these applications as well. In closing, let's sing together number 490.